Welcome to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. I'm your host, Wyndham Lewis, and I'm here with my two brothers, Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis. Today, we're down to eight. You can learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Now, let's get back into March Madness. What's the best album of the millennium so far? We're down to eight albums. We're going to take it down to four, then to two, then to one. Let's see who wins. Brother, brother, brother podcast. We have been doing a countdown or a bracket challenge all month where we are trying to divine what the best album of the millennium so far is, and we are down to eight albums. Uh, we are down to RJ, RTJ2, Run the Jewels 2, uh, Arcade Fire's Funeral, Discovery by Daft Punk, Sufjan Stevens' Come On Feel the Illinois. LCD Sound Systems, Sound of Silver, The Wrens, Meadowlands, Interpols, Turn on the Bright Lights, and Kanye West, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Um, do you guys want to just jump in? I mean... Uh, yeah, I mean, I would mention that, you know, throughout the tournament, we've seen a few, few you know, pretty uh, surprising upsets. I think the Strokes going out, um, Spoon not making it past early rounds with four entries, um, we had a uh, what was the other upset last week? Run the Jewels beating uh, the Strokes. The Strokes. Kid A losing in the round to sixty four. Like losing to Passion Pit. Like uh, the <laughs> which I still don't regret. By the way, you you UMBC of uh, of music and um, yeah. So here we are. Um, and uh, well, it's funny that you mentioned the Run the Jewels too. Um, you know, upset over the Strokes, and and I have to ask. Uh, you know, Jeremy, did you deliberately sabotage the strokes knowing that uh, it would put Arcade Fire in a better position to win given how <laughs> sentimental you get about this album? Um, but, uh, but you know, I, I think that there's a, a really strong case to be made for, for both of these contenders. What, I mean, um, what do you guys think? I, I agree. I mean, I think Run the Jewels is here for a reason, and I think, uh, you know, I've said it before, it's it's... You know, we talked a lot about Killer Mike's, or Christian talked a lot about Killer Mike's MC abilities and the fact that he's, you know, one of, one of the strongest sort of rappers in a traditional sense, paired with LPs, you know, one of the most inventive producers and, and soundscape artists, I think, in, in hip hop. And, uh, you know, two guys that I, I wasn't very familiar with Killer Mike's material earlier, but what I've heard, gone back and listened to, is, is pretty fantastic. And, and LP just you know, always putting out interesting music, sort of missing the mark as far as I was concerned in, in just likability, but, but putting out some of the, you know, most inventive indie and alternative rap out there. So, um, and you know, when, why don't you talk a little bit about Arcade Fire, well, an album that you turned me on to? I'm not going to even, yeah. I'm not even talking about Arcade Fire so much as I, I talk about the whole thing on the macro level, which is, you know, by the time you get into the, the round of eight and, and whittling these things down, you're not really, you know, it's not really a zero sum game. And, 
any of these cases. I mean, it, these are eight albums we all like right. a lot. Quite explaining that to UVA fans, by the way. Yeah, exactly. But no, but these <laughs> are like eight albums that we all really love. Big Mac versus Quarter Pounder. Yeah, this is this is the shake. This is the shake. Favorite meals. Shake Shack and Out Burger. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, you know, I mean. People spend a lot of time talking about which one, you know, you sort of denigrating the other to build one up. And the fact is, they're both great. Such a yuppie, Sheik Shack. Well, well, yeah, but I mean, it's fun to denigrate stuff. Um, plus, we're better at it than we are about But I'm not, you know, I'm not there. Being nice I'm, not, things, I'm not there so. right now. I mean, I like no, Run no, the Jewels, too. You. I was really shocked that it beat Is This It? Because Is This It? I figured to be a Final Four uh, at least, if not a finalist, um, and could easily have seen it walking away with the whole thing, given the uh, importance that it had to each and every one of us, um, you know, listeners and uh, participants included here. So, you know, in my in this case, I'm not going to you know make a huge stand because for me, um, listen, I, I ranked Arcade Fire's funeral as my number one uh, going into this thing, and um, I don't see my sensibility on that changing. It's just too packed um, with great songs. It is so dense, and it was such a it was such a shocking arrival when it when it landed. Um, you know that it was you know that this was a debut album. It was almost like um, you know I mean there's there's very few debuts. I, I, I'd put it in context of the entire rock canon that you know arrived as as completely confidently and fully formed and you know bold as this um and you know this is on an indie label they uh and uh it it just had nothing in common with indie music it was arena ready um they were arena ready and they became pretty much almost arena popular uh, off the first night. album, yeah. so yeah. it's also a, it's also a personal album, which I think you know all those sounds you just described. I, I think it's also key to remember. Personally, I think it's probably their best writing effort I as far as songcraft goes. But it's also an album that was really you know very indie in the sense that like they were you know I think both partners had lost their parents at that year, and and the album really centers around that and and. Uh, so as, as big as it sounded, it wasn't, I don't think it was ever, I don't, they, they weren't like Oasis who had kind of set out to like take over the world. I think it was truly a band that just, you know, kind of had a huge sound and I think had ambition, but but it didn't strike me as an, an album like, hey, we're going to, you know, put our first one out on an indie label, then we're going to get signed by a major. I mean, it really, truly sounded No, there was like no building process it. here. Yeah. It, it's worth thinking about where, I mean, okay, so where they entered then. I mean, because, and, and sort of, you know, whether the the world's readiness for for certain types of music is always sort of an integral component to their success, and um, you know, in the case of Oasis, they they really were you know pushing a, a sort of big um, pop sound because that's what people wanted, and if you wanted to play stadiums, that's how you did it. What I think is kind of interesting about two thousand four um, is that you know we, we'd had a couple of years of uh, the Strokes and Yeah Yeah Yeahs, Turn on the Bright Lights. Um, and you know, it, it, what we were seeing, I think, was sort of a mainstreamization, for lack of a better term, of, of indie culture um, that was uh, really, you know, starting to, to grip like the nation um, and you know, and, and hit major 
media outlets. And for that reason, you you know, you started to see bands like Arcade Fire, um, the Killers, you know, really hit it off and get get radio play. Yeah, I mean, the um, Killers were another one that were that I sort of it's, of that stripe. If they if they made this album ten years earlier, they'd be Neutral Milk Hotel. No, which is no, it's too big. It's way too big. It's, I, I just I'm not sure. I, 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 I would go in between those arguments and say that the access to this music, I think they hit at the right time mm-hmm. too with the internet where you know Neutral Milk Hotel had to be a word of mouth album. Um, but yeah. I think aesthetically the Arcade Fire album is going to be way more appealing to more people just in general. That's, that's interesting. I mean I, I think um, I, you know personally I, and I I don't want to denigrate the album too much. I mean, I, I think it's great, but um, you know, if I were to to um, identify uh, some some criticisms such that it's it's warranted at all, you know, I would say that there's kind of a um, a like wide-eyed idealism about this that I find um, a little bit tough to to take sometimes, um, and maybe that's sort of a general generational bias I've got against. Um, you know, really earnest portrayals of emotion. Um, however, I would say that, like, I accept it from people like Sif Jen and um, Connor Oberst or Bright Eyes. Uh, I accept it from Neutral Milk Hotel. And, you know, because I, of I the intimacy the question, of the sound. I wanted to give you guys, I wanted to put the question to you. Um, I actually think that there's, there's something else about it, which is that, you know, is earnestness more difficult to stomach in a large band than it is in solo artists? Yeah. It's harder yeah, to pull okay. off. It's not harder to stomach. It's just a really, really difficult trick to pull off to play to the rafters and speak to the individual. It's a really, I mean, that's that's kind of everybody's goal, uh, or not everybody's goal, but it's, you know, I mean, that's, you know, your aim is to, to have this huge, um, you know, I mean, it's it's the it's the exact same thing as, as making a great uh, mainstream movie. You know they don't happen very often because it's Arcade Fire is Steven Spielberg. <laughs> yeah, but it's but it's Jaws. You know what I mean? It's not or ET. Yeah, exactly. I mean there those are there's reasons those are classics. Um, you know it is yeah. it is the really really well constructed blockbuster. What's well, funny that you bring up there? Uh, you know the the sort of the cinematic comparison because I actually would say um, you know one, one of the, the the other sort of aspect of, of um, light criticism that I would apply is that it you know it's a little bit too theatrical for me. Mm-hmm. Um, How about yeah, that? I, it definitely has a cinematic scope to it. Yeah, and for that reason, I think you know what's interesting is that that. Run the Jewels, in many respects, were probably thinking about how to, um, you know, prepare their music perfectly to go along with uh, things like music videos. They've got some very artful music yeah, videos, actually. I love this um, You know, they, they sort of, there's a broader attention to, uh, like, wider, you know, wider form, formats of media, um, partly just because they came out 10 years later, and that was sort of a necessity. You have to be, um, you know, a presence on uh, all these different um, channels. Uh, and I, I think, you know, despite their doing that, it doesn't kind of, I just, there's something about Arcade Fire that I find just a little annoying and I don't, it's the good question to my question to you though, is did you in, you know, in, at this point when this came out or have you grown to find them tiresome? Because I can understand that. I mean, I, that was going to be my question to you. What was your entry to that? Yeah. I mean, Reflector and the last album and even Suburbs to a degree, they get, they're getting, you know, they're, they're on the wane, I think, but 
No, I, I actually I would challenge that. I from I've said this before uh, uh, in this tournament, but but Reflector is my favorite Arcade Fire album. I think a big part of my, my issue is like is again this this really earnest presentation and and the theatricality. I like Reflector because it has some swing and groove to it, and I actually think that that's something that's really absent and conspicuously absent on the first three albums. Um, I it doesn't mean I don't like it. it it just means that in retrospect, um, and, and a big part of this is retrospect, but I, I find it difficult to, like, it just, I've heard so much, like, Lumineers, Edward Sharp, and the Magnetic Zeros, and of Monsters and Men in the last decade, yeah. that, like, I just, but, I don't want to go back But I also, this. and I've always, you know, we've had this argument before, or, or we've had this discussion before, you can't blame a great original for its pale competitor, it can, you know, uh, you're imitators right. and um you know I, I would say the same of you know i mean one of your favorite bands you know uh rage against the machine i mean they they sadly they're great but they produced a million uh copy you know attempted copiers who just yeah, are I mean, fucking brutal right. um and i mean you know quentin the quentin tarantino phenomenon is the one i always point to which is you know he puts out reservoir dogs and then every guy tries to put out some you know tough guy kind of macho high crime heist with 70s music yeah and and, but high you know concept and you know with you know spicy dialogue and the reason that it's great in his hands is because it's a really really difficult trick to pull off and i would say the same of arcade fire this is a really difficult trick to pull off which is again aiming you know making arena rock that has um you know heart and uh you know speaks to people on a really individual level so my vote is for arcade fire obviously um you guys have it out my votes for run the jewels yeah i'm I'm gonna vote for arcade fire as well sounds good yeah
to Brother, 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 where we are uh, finally getting on with our Elite Eight here. And um, our second matchup of the day is Daft Punk's Discovery versus Sifjan Stevens' Come On, Feel the Illinois. And, you know, I, I think this is such an interesting matchup in part because both of these albums just radiate a really positive energy um, at, a, at a time uh, that, you know, that wasn't necessarily the, the norm. It was a little bit atypical. These guys were sort of out of step, and I think that that certainly caused them to stand out um, and attract uh, sort of critical attention, immediate attention. But, um, you know, you, you really had people uh, sort of gravitating toward the, the sort of in, in, uh, the happiness that both of these things, I, I think, sort of create. What do you guys think? Happy songs when about the, happy songs about uh, serial killers. John Wayne Gacy Jr. Yeah, and uh, happy songs <laughs> by robots <laughs> and warm songs by robots. So um, I uh, this is a toughie for me because I love both of these albums so much, and I um, you know I think you're right. I think both of them shifted gears that at the time they came out. They're, they're kind of contemporaries if they're not the same year. I believe this are they the same year. Um, and uh, so that, that requires actually looking it up. Yeah, and, no, um, don't, don't no but I mean, we usually just make up the details. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, discovery. Uh, again, you're talking about in in real time. Um, discovery was an album that was not very well received by critics, not hugely well regarded as an album, and not really. Considered, I mean, despite the fact that all of their albums are very good, I wouldn't think of, I don't think Daft Punk really considered an album band. Um, so, Discovery, by the way, 2001, okay. Come On, Philly, wow. Illinois, 2005. Wow, that's, I mean, that, that does, you do compress time when you're thinking back that far. Um, Sophie and Stevens, on the, other t- on the other hand, I believe, you know, I mean, I remember this album coming out as we discussed last time. Uh, I remember buying it uh, when I was with, or Christian buying it when he was with me. Um, Sufjan Stevens' album entirely embraced as the best album of the year the moment it dropped. I mean, it was sort of like the conversation was over, um, you know, lauded uh, so obviously by uh, the press. It's very intimate, um, very warm. Uh, it's in kind of a magical album. It's, you know, the uh, the um, musicality of it is phenomenal. The writing in it is phenomenal. The delivery is really heartfelt. Um, it's a sprawling just, epic I mean, of intimacy. Purely as a as a product of research and um, you know attention to detail. Uh, you know the amount of work that went into preparing this. I mean, he was you know he was analyzing original text, reading Saul Bellow, and um, you know. Uh, uh, digging through, you know, the, the crime archives uh, around John Wayne Gacy. I mean, he really did uh, immerse himself in the history, the geography, the culture and art of, of the state to, to sort of figure out where it's, you know, ha- how to calibrate an album that was really trying to capture the soul of a place, you know? Um, yeah. And that's just, no, who, who the fuck does that? Well, and not only that, it was the second time he'd done it. And, uh, you know, he had greetings from Michigan, prior which also got a lot of critical acclaim and um wasn't as like bright and as sort of expansive as come on feel the Illinois but it was it's a it's a damn good album too I mean if you know I recommend going back and listening to it It actually I had that record prior to this one coming out and was sort of there was a little bit of hype is he going to do a every state concept album which would be quite a feat now rest said two yeah and, you know, and I think, too, again, like, kind of like we were talking about Arcade Fire, this album floats between sort of historical 
um, you know, big expansive songs that are very orchestrated where I believe he played almost every instrument on the album to, you know, some very like sort of touching kind of like intimate songs. I mean, Kashmir Pulaski Day we talked about in the last round being still like one of my, you know, the saddest, like prettiest songs I think ever written. And, you know, I, I think it's interesting to me, like I always being a fan of kind of underground rock and I, I having just wrapped up the Husker Du pod, um, Do You Remember, last night, and just how raw kind of indie rock was. I mean, there was definitely some experimentation and there was definitely interesting things going on in indie rock. That was why I've always been drawn to it. I think you guys as well. But, you know, there was kind of like a raw masculine side to it, even with a band like Husker Du, um, who's, you know, one of the frontmen was, was openly gay. You know, you, you have a guy in Sufjan who kind of is contrary to all of those things and then bringing in, you know, almost like a show tune slash, you know, full orchestra, full multi. I mean, this is like ba- this is the band camp kid who, you know, is playing everything and then has, a you know, in, in prior albums and, and has been very openly religious as well. So it's just it's just a really kind of like weird frontman, weird you know kind of dynamic in in what you know in the past was kind of a more scaled down scaled it's, down world. It's interesting to talk about the gender aspect of this because I mean I think that you know in the seventies you had a lot of um, like band leads who uh, you know were sort of played up their their femininity. I'm thinking about like Robert Plant and um, all of glam you know, rock. Sort of yeah. The, yeah, sort of the the, the the king in that um, uh, in in that world, but um, at the same time they were sort of playing up femininity and also super highly sexualized. Um, in this case, it it sort of you know uh, bucks the the masculinity um, trend and you know is sort of a little you know a little bit more feminine in its in its style and sound. Um, but there's nothing sexualized about this at all. I mean, it's really you know it, it and, and I think that. Historically, that um, uh, that combination, you know, is is he, not necessarily, uh, you know, not necessarily that favorably received. So, I mean, there, and again, couple that with all the earnestness here. He has he has a tenderness almost yeah. with all of, and I, I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of most of his work, and and there's like a just a tender touch to what he does, but it, it's not too, it's not so earnest that it, you know, it doesn't still kind of move you. And it's another album too that like. I remember hearing and loving and, and most people around me loving and, and, you know, critically acclaimed or not, which it very much was, it seemed like everyone really liked this record too, you know, and all, you know, people that I, that usually liked kind of harder music, people that like softer music. Um, and I'll flip over to Daft Punk real quick because that was a very, you know, prime music listening period for me. And, and I actually ended up in a, you know, brief period where I was listening to a lot of dance music and, and actually going to clubs and, and, I've always loved the experience of going to a dance club and hearing like really good house music or really good DJ mix or funk or hip hop or whatever. Um, but I, I find it very hard to translate that into an album. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's what I always kind of wanted from dance music. Like I would love a DJ and then I would get their CD back in the day and be like, yeah, it's just not the same. You know, I mean, even people like uh, today, like Diplo, or, or you know, they just never quite put out like a record that that makes sense or that sounds good. And, you know, I think Daft Punk did what a lot of you know the Manchester scene did, and, and other Europe in there from France, obviously. But I just mean what Europeans do really well with even you know blues and, and soul music traditionally is they take it and they sort of they kind of make it 
pop music and and uh and i think it's you know in the end that that punk album is just a really good pop record with dance grooves but they they also you know are, are such sort of like you know nerds in the sense that they they obviously had had mined the 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 deep house sounds and techno sounds of Detroit and Chicago, and then, you know, sort of put it through their filter of really accessible, fun dance music Mm -hmm. that anyone could get into. I think a big part of that was like, it it took all of the uh, best things about the sort of industrial and garage scenes in America and like gave it that shot in the arm of Euro disco that it needed (laughs) to just sort of be, you know, ultra popular, catchy and or ultra poppy. So like you. when you're not on ecstasy, you can actually listen to it. And have but fun. I mean, the, the, the funny thing about this record is, is you know, I mean, because I mean, they're such like Giorgio Moroder acolytes, and you know, Giorgio Moroder, you know, sort of famously putting you know the, the synthesizer and and creating you know what amounts to disco, um, you know, disco synthesizer or you know, dis- uh, synthesized dance music. Um, you know, th- they. Uh, they do have really ripping guitar on this album. It's 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 Absolutely. funny, and it's what brings I think you that's back. A and guitar, actually, it's both. <laughs> it's both. It's guitar played through, uh, you know, a lot of effects and and uh, keyboards played as guitars. But um, it's both of those things. And so, you know, I mean, I, I remember going to see Air, uh, the band Air, another French duo, live, and not realizing how much of it was played on. Uh, conventional instruments, you know, a lot of it's keyboards, a lot of it's, you know, uh, um, but, you know, the degree to which some of this is played on on conventional instruments is what brings it back into the pop realm, I think. You know, and, and I think just one uh, contextualizing, you know, um, detail that I think is important here is to consider the breadth of appeal that Daft Punk has um, to everybody you know. Yep. Uh, compared to Sif Jam, which I think is, you know, it is narrower. It might be um, uh, appealing to everybody. Um, we know. Jeremy knows. Yeah, yeah exactly. But I, but I think... I um, think this album was broader. I don't think he, as an artist, but I also, is I also everybody. think... But I, I do think this album... I do, but I have a lot of friends who just don't who don't really care for it. And I don't know whether really? that's... Really? Uh, hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean... Uh, and... Almost no one I know doesn't enjoy Daft Punk. I think I, I, I think mean, that's like, a, a fault of your aren't. taste in friends more than it is a fault of uh, <laughs> his his ability to reach people. So, um, Should we throw yeah, down a gauntlet. I mean, vote? I think the sorry the, didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, that's fine. Um, yeah, let's do it. I'm voting for uh, Daft Punk. I'm voting for Sufjan. Me too, Sufjan Stevens. All right. It's uh, actually not how I thought that was going to turn out, so uh, congratulations, Sufjan Stevens. His father was a drinker, and his mother cried in bed. Folding John Wayne's t-shirts when the swing set hit his head. They adored him for his humor and his conversation. Look underneath the house there, find the few living things riding fast in their sleep. All the dead, twenty seven people, even more, they were boys. 
Summers, summer jobs, oh my god. to the brother 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 pod and we are uh in the elite eight now and our next matchup is uh lcd sound systems sound of silver versus uh a brother 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 favorite and friend of the pod the wrens meadowlands so uh i'm gonna i'm gonna sit back and let you guys discuss this one i, I kind of know where i'm that's, leaning that's valiant of you but i uh <laughs> I'll let you guys jump in. I'll make a I'll make a case. Uh, I'll jump in and, and make a case for the Wrens Meadowlands um, on two fronts. One is um, it's a, your favorite think, record. <laughs> yeah, it's my favorite uh, record Fuck of yeah. the millennium. So no, but that's I mean that doesn't I don't think that I, you know I, I don't think that is uh, worth ignoring. I think you know the thing that you go back I to do. the thing that you love the most is is worth. Uh, is we'll remember worth that, Christian, for the next round. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But um, you know, here's an, here's another thing. Um, I you know this is one of the, despite the fact that it didn't catch fire and it's not you know very widely known. Um, We're doing our said, best. God damn it! No, I know. I mean, one one proselytization is at a time, but it was. You know, it was an extraordinarily well-reviewed album when it came out. It was recognized, and and you're talking about an album that came out on, you know, for for various reasons and and reasons that are you know sadly you know uh, um, you know uh, disadvantageous for the band's career. But this album came out on Absolutely Kosher Records, which was a friend's label. Um, they had gone through a lot of record label issues. They had, you know, I mean, and you know, we've sort of discussed this before. It was, uh, you know, it was a uh, it was a difficult time. It took a long time for this album to come out. But when this album did come out, and when people did hear it, and when, particularly when the press heard it and uh, rock critics heard it, it was one of the best reviewed rock albums of the millennium i would say um there are very few and and you know i mean i i hate to rely on pitchfork but pitchfork at the time was kind of a you know an emerging juggernaut it wasn't even you know close to the stature it has now in in culture but people knew it and people cared about what they thought and i don't remember ever seeing a, a higher numerical review or a numerical score for an album by a rock band um, ever on uh, Pitchfork. They they will now give, retrospectively, they'll give reissues, uh, you know, a yeah, 10. they're pretty harsh at the time. They're pretty, they're pretty harsh in real time. They did for a computer, right? Or was that wasn't in real time, movie, though. They yeah, didn't exist in like 97. Yeah, no, that's what I was, I was about to say. They so have been kid, uh, Yeah, they have, they have hit a couple of 10s. Um, They've given out a couple of tens, but not to rock albums. It's uh, they have given them out to people like or to albums like My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, as I recall. Um, I don't maybe Sea Change, maybe, um, but that might have been something else. I don't remember if that was the case. Uh, Um, But in real time, people tend to to um, not have a ton of confidence in their ability to assess things very quickly. I find you know I myself have that. 
um, feeling I really need to live with something for a long time to know if it's going to stay with me for a long time. So um, they did for uh, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, Kid A, uh, yep. the Soft Bulletin, uh, Neutral Milk Hotels, Body Prince in the airplane over the sea, which wasn't real in the time. airplane over the sea that didn't ex- the pitchfork nah, didn't exist. That it wasn't in real time. time. That's, that's so they but, arrived in ninety. I'd, all right, I'd be surprised if they gave it that. Whatever, we're not going to argue. It didn't. The, the the site didn't exist when uh, in the airplane over the sea came out. Um, so what I'm saying is that for uh, you know f- anyway, and it and it's too much to sort of uh, rely on on that one um, you know sort of uh, in, you know one lone lone embrace to uh, you know to qualify the the quality of an album. But that said, um, this is an album that that regardless of the fact that it didn't have a lot of distribution, didn't have a lot of uh, exposure, and therefore didn't find a, a larger audience. Um, and I do uh, think that uh, the in, you know the industry in its in its flux and in their position on a you know, not even a, a indie label, a an indie label that basically put out one record. Um, you know, they are they uh, they suffered the, uh, again a, a shitty fate of not being as well heard as they should have been. And um, I think this album has all of the uh, you know merits uh, being in the same conversation with any album that's come out uh, this millennium. And, you know, I mean, I can walk you through the songs, but we've, you know, we've talked about this album a lot. Uh, I do think that they have a, a, an ability to write about adulthood in a way that is extremely um, raw, refreshing, and uh, insightful uh, at this, you know, and, and uh, we were talking about uh, these guys versus, you know, the Hold Steady last time, where the Hold Steady is is constantly sort of looking back at things and and casting a very shrewd, you know, analytical eye on on uh, adolescence and and um, you know young adulthood. But the Wrens are are really assessing their own situation, their own um, place in the world as you know people who are aging gracefully or not so gracefully um and it's really raw and interesting and it's a very uh difficult trick to pull off or else other people would have done it well yeah it's difficult to make a cool rock album about getting older um well past the age of 25 at least um and no they've they've certainly done that and i think the distinction you know that, that we made last week um between the hold steady who I think are more consistent with, you know, the, uh, the sort of history of, of writing in the third person about and to capture those moments versus doing it in the first person um, and, and, you know, how incredibly sort of evocative that is. Um, to make a case for Sound of Silver, uh, I think one of the best albums, obviously, also of the last um, 18 years, 17, 18 years. Um, I agree. You know, this has, uh, I would say, all of my, um, well, no, a, a large number of my favorite LCD songs. I think the, the run of um, Someone Great, All My Friends, um, you know, it, it's New York, I Love You, You're Getting Me Down, um, Get Innocuous. I mean, I, I think that these guys uh, really hit the full gamut and full range of emotions that can be 
um, tackled by uh, by you know highly danceable um, but punk inflected uh, indie rock. And Old you know people. you're moving your uh, you're you're moving your feet the entire time. Um, but you know th- it, it really needs to be said that these are uh, just incredibly smart at times funny, at times, I think, sort of really moving um, lyrics. Uh, and in, in that respect, you know, it, it stands alone, I think, among LCD records as, as sort of just just because of its, its sort of uh, the, the depth of its subject matter, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's easier for me to... I know both of you guys, where you, both of you guys kind of lay on, the, on these... in this competition right here, so it's easy for me to kind of hear them both and, and I, you know it's funny I agree with both I think both albums strangely are kind of about the same thing um, one is definitely you know from a, somebody who has more of a, a about dance, losing your edge exactly a dance background and the other is, is a rock album and and I, I think that it's funny when you're talking about the Wrens win it's like all my all, all my friends um, that ha- have heard the Wrens and that are probably you know somewhere between my age and, and your age um it is one of their favorite records for a reason. It's a great record and it also kind of hits subject matter that, that is, uh, you know, just very personalized too. But I also think like it can't lyrics aside, it's just a, it's a really great rock and roll record, pop record. Um, and I think likewise, the LCD to me, um, hit like a new depth, just like sort of like I was saying about Daft Punk where you, there's, I've always enjoyed those sounds, but my, my feet have sort of been firmly in the rock camp for a long time, but I've always loved like tipping, you know, dipping a toe in the dance music. And it just was never my, my go-to scene for somebody to kind of merge the, the sounds and the, the sort of uh, energy of dance music with what I love about a great songwriter or great lyricism and, and, and kind of an indie mentality too. Um, was just sort of a perfect storm of and, and created what I think is, is their best album and, and kind of a perfect album as well. So um, it should be said that they're both, uh, with all respect to, to Charles Pistols, I think um, you know that he and James Murphy are both tyrants in the studio. Um, is, is my yeah, sense. very interesting. You know, they are very really, really detail oriented. Yeah. But I also think they're guys that had you know other careers and sort. I mean, had like with the Rens, it was always the Rens, but they sort of had a failure within the music industry. And I think with James Murphy, he had failure within the music industry and in other groups and, and doing other things. And then kind of found this perfect sort of melding of sound. And, and you know, even though the Rens have been around for a while, this was the album that you know the album where they were just like fuck it, and they put out their best work. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm ready to vote. I, I so know far, I'm leaning. Um, yeah, so far. Sorry. Um, uh, but I, uh, you know, why I'm don't we... I'm going Renz. Christian's okay. going LCD. Where yeah. are you going, Jer? You know, I think just because I I love the Renz so much, but they're just kind of born to uh, to get knocked out of this tournament. And I mean that as a compliment. They're, the, they're like the underdog that made it this far. And, uh, and they played a really good game even up until the end there. But I think um, they just take... So goddamn long to put out an album, and, and I, uh, I'm gonna go LCD Sound of Silver. Uh, Sister Jean just fell out of her wheelchair rooting <laughs> for the Wrens.
Welcome back to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. We are down to the final region in our round of eight, and it's another, looks like another brutal matchup, um, particularly for you, Christian. Your favorite album of the millennium, Interpol's Turn on the Bright Lights, is up against Kanye West's masterpiece, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. That's actually one of the reasons that it doesn't make it one of the most difficult matchups for me. I think it's probably... Um, but it may not be that tough for you guys either. Uh, I get the feeling from the outset that, that um, this may be the, the third time I'm uh, overruled today, but um, democracy sucks is all I have to say, uh, not just the album. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that there really isn't a better return to post-punk um, and, you know, uh, extension of post-punk in the early 2000s um, uh, than, than this album. You know, it's, it's brooding. It's got the sort of jagged minor chord guitar licks. Um, it has those haunting, you know, baritone uh, vocals. Um, they are outstanding performers, at, at, you know, uh, at, when, when Carlos D was still part of the band. Um <laughs> You know, uh, no, they sounded great. Yeah, they sounded um, great. We've, you know, we've we've seen uh, seen them on a couple of occasions since when um, I've been a little bit less impressed. But you know what? There's a reason this isn't um, about performer or art or artist of, of the last eighteen years. Uh, because if it were, you know, I would find it really difficult to include Interpol. Um, but it is just about standalone albums. And you know, I, I think when you were talking about um, a, a, such a, a you know well uh, or I guess a sort of complete um, band coming you know stepping forward with, with um, Funeral when you were talking about Arcade Fire you know I think again here you've got a situation where um, you have just a fully formed and finished product that's just got a lot of polish um, and you know really has a, a sort of defined sound um, coming forward with their with their debut album um, I love it I you know I, I think my beautiful dark twisted fantasy is obviously um, an extraordinary accomplishment for a lot of reasons, but um, there are also just tracks I skip on that album, um, and that really isn't true uh, of Turn on the Bright Lights, and I can't imagine it ever will be. So, yeah, it's a pretty good, I mean, <clears throat> statement. I, I definitely listen to Interpol's Turn on. It's the only album I listen to by Interpol, but like um, Turn on the Bright Lights and more than Dark Twisted Fantasy, which is not my favorite Kanye album, even though I think it probably, you know, arguably is his best and is certainly his sort of, his, his masterpiece. Um, I will say that when that album came out, I went through a period of listening to it start to finish nonstop, and I hadn't done that in a long time with a hip-hop album where, you know, I usually pretty readily cherry-picked the best songs and, you know, threw them on mixes or playlists and didn't really think of you know really since like it takes a nation or public enemy or some of the tribe albums really and wu-tang i guess too i I should shut up because i'm kind of contradicting myself but did i really listen to hip-hop as albums i I think it is few and far between in the genre in general i mean i think there's it's it's a less album driven genre and and this was kind of the pet sounds of very, very, very dark and twisted. I think Pet Sounds. Yeah, it's more of, like the White Album. It's like yeah. bring everything in. You know, Pet Sounds was focused. Jesus, this was like everything uh, you could possibly bring to put on a uh, 
you know, on an album and throw it in, in, in and, you know, like I said, it, it, when I, when we talked about it before, I, I felt like, um, this was really a tribute to the fact that, uh, of, of, you know, to Kanye West talent, because, you know, very few times in the history of, of, rec- you know, recording has somebody been given the keys to the kingdom an unlimited budget and complete freedom and come out with something cohesive and not insane. Yeah, I mean, this is that was the songs in the Key of Life comparison, I think. Yeah, and this is cohesive and insane. You know, it's Um, it's also the moment that his um, that his sort of ego overtook his you know personality as a human and artist. Um, You know that that he uh, seemed like a, a. a relatively normal person up until this point. He's um, more likable. Yeah. He became an insane fucking celebrity and, and, you know, a commodity, uh, of, you know, just like after this, it was, he was, he was, we so set huge. up for world domination and achieved, achieved it. it. Yeah. Well, and then it became a question of, um, figuring out what he could get away with. Uh, and I don't mean that in a, you know, phoning it in kind of way. I mean it in like, how crazy can I be? And will these people still love me? And the answer is apparently yes. Um, but you know, I, I, so in that respect, I think it's his greatest achievement as an album. I prefer earlier stuff. I mean, I, you know, I think that, um, this may be the culmination of his powers as a producer, but again, like, yeah, it's cool to, like, sample King Crimson, and obviously, you know, he understands the, you know, significance of taking, um, and this is why I keep calling it prog rap, that, you know, of, of taking a, a, a sort of a really musically challenging um, genre, incorporating elements of jazz, soul, um, you know, rock. Prog rock. Yeah, rock, and, and, you know, churning out this sort of, Picasso-esque, like, um, uh, work of art that I think, you know, takes sort of a long time to, to fully appreciate if, if you ever truly can fully appreciate it. Um, yeah, I mean, after following this, he put out two solo, I mean, the, he put out collaborations, but two solo albums, uh, where he, ref, you know, sort of references him or, uh, you know, draws comparisons to himself and, uh, Pablo Picasso and Jesus Christ. So <laughs> he's not sh- not short on uh, on ambition. Um, but yeah, you just think about think back to like when you first heard Power or um, you know uh, Runaway. I mean, all of these, and they were like ten minute songs. You know, and they're just epics. Um, just they're very. It was a ballsy move and. Um, yeah, imagine if he'd put out Life of Pablo the year that he put out uh, A Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Like that, yeah, I agree. I mean, that would have been the end of his run. And it damn near was with 808s and Heartbreak, frankly. Or he would have he been labeled a guy who was now trying to find a niche audience. You know what I mean? Who was, too ex- who was getting experimental. Um, he needed to explode the whole thing before. He, he needed to go from being, um, you know, a sort of... Uh, you know, critics darling and with ambition and hit records to like being the king of rock to then, you know, minimizing or, you know, playing by his own rules after that. Um, yeah. And I mean, it's, it's, he, you know, deserves credit for the, it isn't just ambition, but it, it is also the hard work here. I mean, this guy was obsessive, um, mm-hmm. about, about this piece. And, um, you know, I, I think that it shows, 
um, no uh, no stone was left unturned. Um, you know, I think that if we're going to proceed to a vote, are we comfortable yeah, doing sure. that? Yeah, sure. I mean, so I, we, I think uh, pull I the just, Band-Aid off. And, yeah. <laughs> I, will, I, will, I will just, let me just throw in one more uh, interjection, and that is that there are certain bands, I think, here who suffer, and certain artists who have suffered, uh, as we mentioned before, Spoon, um, from a... Uh, consistency and um, you know uh, having too having so much great material I think Interpol is the exact opposite I think Interpol is the band that put out one great album and nothing else we are not judging on body of work we are judging on these individual albums but you are (laughs) no 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 this is uh, I'm just saying that there is you know there was uh, there are well, there Again, were other Kanye there albums. Are four, that got four Kanye out. albums in this, in this, uh, you know, uh, tournament. There are four Spoon albums in this tournament, um, and that is a, a, both a tribute to how great they had their careers have been, but also it allow you know it allows it makes you you know sort of almost uh, distracts your your vision from from one particular masterwork. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I'm not even going to go any further. I uh, I love both these records. Let's vote. I'm going to go first. Wanna, Kanye. Go. You know where I'm going. Turn on the bright lights. Fuck. <laughs> I was going to throw some more argument out for my vote, but we'll, we'll let you just... We'll let you simmer in the uh, yeah, you, the shit stew, which is you thought you, thought you could pass the buck to Jeremy to kill. Uh, you thought you could pass the buck to Jeremy to kill. Turn on the bright lights, and then he just threw his vote out first. No, no, I, I actually am really conflicted. I, I love both these albums. Um, it just I, I, would, I would remind you that you know uh, I would shut up if I were you. I'm voting for Interpol. All right, oh. love it. You guys are wrong, but. I love that record. So Christian, Christian was one argument away from getting me to the Kanye West. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, really. One, I mean, one accusation of my own tastes away from. <laughs> well, at least we, unlike the uh, last competition, you didn't vote for me, so that was nice. Um, yeah. But uh, there we have it, folks. We've got turn on the bright lights, Sound of silver, um, arcade fires, funeral, and. Uh, Swift Jane Stevens. Swift Jane Stevens, come on, kill the Illinois. Say that I've forgotten. Final four. Anyway, we will uh, we'll see you in San Antonio or wherever the hell they're holding the final four. Thanks, guys. All right, thank you. Jeremy Sartorian Christian Lewis, thank you very much for listening to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. 
Many thanks also to our heroic producer, Damian Kendall, and to Simon Doom for our epic intro music. Learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>